0: Hola, gente. How are y'all? I'm so excited to be shining light on Latino-owned small businesses and nonprofit organizations during Hispanic Heritage Month. And today's guests have an amazing story that I'm very excited to be bringing to light. And it's a story that began back in 2020. So Agave-based spirits were responsible for nearly 70% of the U.S. overall spirits market in 2022. Specifically, tequila surpassed rum and bourbon by volume that year, making it the third largest spirit category in the country. So its versatility and culturally rich crafted production has made it a beloved choice for millions around the world who have learned to see it as a premium High quality, high quality spirit to enjoy. Now, a group of Latinos who also love tequila saw a problem and they envisioned a solution. The problem was celebrities were amplifying tequila recognition around the world, but not all of the tequilas they were launching necessarily tasted great. So the solution was let's involve the people in choosing the best tasting tequila and so today we'll be talking to two of the four Latinos that began their journey in creating the world's first crowdsourced tequila and so without further ado (laughs) i want to welcome albert subia he is partner of tequila de la gente and daniel vasquez co-founder and found sorry founder of tequila de la gente um, welcome, guys. How are you? Doing good, thank you. Yeah, doing good. Glad to be here, man. That was an excellent intro. Oh, thank you. You know, I worked on it, so um that's the only scripted part. Are y'all ready for the craziness? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, awesome. Um, I kind of always begin uh, most of the interviews that I do, whether they're live on or on a podcast, by touching on the human essence of the people that we're talking to so i kind of want to start off by asking a question i love to ask people and i'll begin with albert um tell me a little bit more about um your favorite childhood story and a little bit about your cultural cultural upbringing and background
1: how far back do you want to (laughs) go oh man favorite childhood story uh I think one thing that kind of defines me now, um, I took my first international trip on a plane at the age of 13, and when I reached adulthood and I had my own money, I just got on a quest and I have a 50 by 50 goal uh, that I I like to talk about. makes me excited, but I, I want to go visit 50 countries by the time or before the age of 50. Uh, I've got eight or nine years left and I'm at 35. So uh, it's something that I love to do.
0: That's awesome. Um, Albert, how about you? Daniel, or sorry, Daniel.
2: Okay. So an interesting, I got, I got a little bit of chance to think about it. Uh, Albert, that was a good story though. Um, So I think an interesting story, you've probably heard it several times, uh, but I first started uh, the entrepreneurial journey when I was in high school. I used to cut our neighbor's lawns and then it caught on and I started to do my church's lawns. I put up a flyer. It got to a point where we were, I needed help. And so I got a buddy and we drove around in my truck and we were busy all summer. And that's how I spent money, and I ended up putting wheels on my car, and did kinds of the cool stuff. Bought stuff for my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, so that was like interesting story of my childhood. Um, and my background, uh, so I'm third generation Mexican American. My grandmother is uh, first generation. So uh, it just so happened that I'm like I'm still learning as much Spanish as I can uh, to get by, and like like get by our trips to mexico uh but i i think if you drop me off i can i'll do just fine and and so so that's a little bit about me yeah
0: that's so great and i love that you tap into the generational nuances of what um of especially now uh, of what uh, makes latinos latinos And, and oftentimes it is this idea that um you know, si no español, you're not necessarily, you know, Latino or whatnot. But um, I think the beautiful thing that's happening right now is that a lot of second, third generation Latinos have always been anchored in their cultural identity and love it and are owning it. And it's not just because they need to know how to speak Spanish most of them don't even speak Spanish. it's uh, the culture just transcends a language sometimes and, I, and, and heritage is, is, is a beautiful thing so really really cool for you to share that with us Daniel thank you so much um, for that uh, but now we'll we'll kind of get into a, a little bit of the business side and why we're here and, and the awesome product that you guys rolled out back in 2020. I talked a little bit about why, kind of like the problem and and, and what y'all envisioned, but um, I kind of want to dig deeper into that because I know both of y'all are tequila aficionados. And so, Albert, like, is there deeper context as to why Tequila de la Gente was born?
1: Yes, I think you did a really good job, got started and. I'll tell you something that Daniel brought up. I didn't quite answer that part of the question earlier, but my father came uh, and he immigrated at the age of 14. I was the first of my family born in the US. It it was around college that I really got interested in learning more about the culture where it it was a, a goal of mine to speak fluently in Spanish. And mostly it was because the hotter chicks were Hispanics in college. And <laughs> that helped out quite a bit. <laughs> but As time has gone on, my closest friends, um, who you know I've known since about the age of four, um, they're still uh, good, good friends of mine. Jorge is one of the partners as well. And he is one of them. And Jorge was born in Mexico. And so as, as I start growing and, and becoming my own person, I really wanted to tap into where my family came from, the struggles, the the reality of, of what is Mexico. We still have family there today. So, tequila was one of those things that, you know, I held near and dear. Um, I just got on a personal quest at one point to, to explore tequila. And we all agreed that we were gonna go visit Tequila Jalisco. And I'd been to Guadalajara, but never to Tequila Jalisco. And, we just went up there, fell in love with the place. I mean, the people from that region, if you haven't been, they breathe this stuff. I mean, they live it, it is life. It's not just a liquid. And once you really tap into that and have an appreciation for the time it takes to fill a bottle of tequila, it changes your perspective on how much passion and work goes into it. So it, it, it's something that, that's meaningful because it has deep roots in Mexico and it's a global product at this point that is just catching fire. So we wanted to be part of it, but we wanted to produce something that made sense, that satisfied people like myself, people like Daniel, who, who also like to sip a bourbon and, and enjoy it and, and see those different uh, you know variations of
0: flavor. So it's it's near and dear, the combination is perfect and we're excited to be part of this. Yes, thank you. I know there's a real passion uh, on tequila's process, and um, y'all really have tapped into that because I remember our conversations back in 2020 and how passionate y'all were about that. Um, But Daniel, I want to kind of engage you now with um, a little bit more context about how Tequila de la Gente started kind of rolling out and maybe some of the building blocks that from your expertise in um, marketing and business operations, you kind of started building along with your partners to, you know, roll out Tequila de la Gente to the world. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, wow, there's so much that we've done. I think back like what it took to get to where we are today. Like you said, we started this thing when no one even probably like only the, our, our nearest family members knew what we were doing. So it was, it was like, what are you spending so much time on? There's so much work that I had to go into like, just to be able to launch or just to be able to communicate what it is that we're doing. We had to do so much homework. And one of those things was like defining what is our problem that we're trying to solve? What is it that we see in the marketplace that there's a gap? What are we trying to fill? And it came down to basically, it's, it's pretty cool that we each of the founders have like four different reasons why we wanted to start. Like Albert mentioned his, it was like, or I don't know if he's mentioned it yet, but he was like trying to go to the store to find a sipping tequila. He said that he liked to sip bourbon and he was trying to find a bourbon and he was so confused or frustrated with the experience of shopping. When you go to the store, there's literally aisles dedicated for tequila from floor to ceiling. And you try to shop by price, and price doesn't always equal good you try to shop by label design not always a winner you try to shop by what celebrities say and that's not always something that you like and so we thought well that's when albert called up called me him and jorge both had the conversation jorge was like hey all these celebrities are coming out and they're kind of like he felt like they were appropriating you know and so he had like a real connection, like, like Albert mentioned, he's like first generation. And so he's like, man, this, this, this is like our country's spirit. And he feels like a little appropriate. So he's got like a personal a really personal touch, it's a personal side or influence on why he wanted to start. And then me, they called me and they're like, hey, Daniel, we want to do this. I'm like, wow, that sounds really cool. I mean, I like to drink tequila. My problem is I like to make cocktails, like next level cocktails. And so I, I kind of do this for my friends and family. But my problem is I didn't have a go-to. And I had the same kind of experience, like going to the store, like what, how do I choose? Like I just want one. I don't want to have a collection. I'm not interested in that. I just want like one that I'm always gonna go to when I'm gonna make, you know, a spirited beverage that make, that involves tequila. And Albert I and mean, Adrian, sorry, he's like our industry insider. He his problem was like, look, if I'm going to get involved, it's going to be totally different. We're going to do something so unique that doesn't, that hasn't been done before. And so that was his, his vision. It was like, okay, we brought all these together and now we have this unique, like contribution from everyone, but we all had this story of doing something different and bringing together like our own influence into the project, which is, you know, it's got to have a background. we got to share our culture. We've got to, tell people about tequila and we got to tell them how to make it and how to use it, how to drink it or just how to have good time with it and bring people together. And so that's when it, so, okay. So step number one, identify a problem, find the solution. And now it's like, well, now we got to communicate this. We start building a brand. We started to uh, also find, you know, a, a distributor, find a distillery, like make, do the whole supply chain. And this is before anybody even knew we were like even gonna do this thing. Yeah. So if we're gonna bring in marketing, the next step was oh, let's start building a following. Let's let people know what we're doing. Let's like let's like get them involved and like get them excited. And so step number one was we actually built an audience. It was a pretty small audience, but it was an audience that was was like familiar with what we're doing, and that allowed us to kind of test our our messaging, test yeah. our And I think we're still doing that today to try to find like our target audience, which is pretty interesting. But that allowed us to communicate and launch our product on in February, like six months ago, to an existing audience that kind of bought into what we're doing. And that allowed us to launch and get to where we are today.
0: That's awesome. No, that's a really, really great story. And I love the the realization and the importance of involving people, consumers, right, that may be familiarized with tequila, but in different aspects. And I, I don't want to quote the study, but I was reading how cocktails and uh, the country's kind of thirst for very unique and great tasting cocktails using tequila is also one of the driving forces of why tequila has become so popular, not just in the country, but around the world. So it's cool that you have a passion for that, Uh, From an educational standpoint, um, you know, culturally speaking, here in the country, we've always thought of tequila traditionally as being shot and a party type of spirit. And uh, let's go have a great time without really realizing that we were consuming something that is really well crafted, maybe not always, but it comes from soil and culture that is rich and that has meaning. And I think people like you guys and the, the, the Tequila de la Gente brand are, are are onto something and doing that by bringing people together. And the cool thing is making them part of your story, you know, which is really, really cool. So I kind of wanted to, uh, to engage now Albert more on, the realities of the business. Albert, of course, is founder of Tequila de la Gente, but he is an entrepreneur at heart. I've known him for many years. He has other businesses and ventures that he's involved in. So, Albert, I wanted to kind of engage you on the realities and the hardships and the challenges of this industry for you, because you have a love for it, but there was challenges and there continues to be some challenges Uh, Can you tell us about the realities of those headaches um, from a business operation standpoint?
1: When we started all of this, it was multiple uh, varieties. We had Daniel Love Spreadsheets and he filled out a spreadsheet and, and we had all of these flavor profiles to go through. We were all so excited about the final four flavors and releasing those to La Gente so that people could vote for their favorite. We were really focused on the quality of the liquid. And we decided to start this off as an e-commerce brand for a couple of different reasons. One of the reasons is that we're able to collect data. And now we can target people in the future. Uh, Our company is called Spirits Cohort. Our plan is not just to uh, focus on tequila, but we can expand into mezcal. We can can get into other things. And and that's kind of the long-term plan. But in e-commerce, you have to spend to get seen. We thought it was just going to be a home run. People are going to love the concept. Everybody that sits down to have this conversation loves the concept. Typically, they'll become a buyer. But you have to tell the story and pay every single time to do it. I think Daniel brought up this um, in a conversation last week that typically people will see something seven times before they become a consumer. So now you're having to pay, not just to see it that one time, not just to put it somewhere uh, that that can be seen again and again, but you're having to pay again and again. And we started all of this by raising funds from friends and family. And uh, we're going through a second round looking for investors to help us now launch our 750 mil bottle. The challenge has been exactly that. How much do you have to spend? And you have to get creative with ads now. And and so it's completely different than just having a high quality spirit. Uh, We submitted all four to the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. All four were awarded. Two double gold, two silver. Is a box full of awards. Okay, but what does that mean? You still have to pay to explain that to somebody, to put it in front of somebody. And so now we're we're really pushing to get the 750 mil bottle and bring it um, with people's votes into your favorite bars and restaurants, which has always been the goal. But we kind of feel like that needs to be fast tracked a bit um, so that you're not just spending all of this money on advertising, which eats up a ton of money. So it's been it's been challenging. It continues to be uh, we, we have to continue to. Um, get creative enough to stop people while they're scrolling so
0: yeah no and and attention is uh it's it's challenging to obtain anyone's attention in a world full of uh attention seekers you know uh, or, or brands wanting to capture folks so believe me i understand that that is uh challenging for for any brand, regardless of size. Uh, Yes, some have recognition, but to sustain that is also uh, a big investment. But I love that you talked about real challenges, particularly uh, in the capital aspect of it, because many uh, small business, especially uh, Latino-owned, Black-owned businesses, which are actually the type of small businesses that are garnering the most growth in our American economy, still struggle. You know, with these realities of capital, and um, like you said, your focus was to have a premium, well-crafted um, product, which is the case because and y'all, y'all have talked and also walked. Y'all have been awarded right? Uh, but still these challenges uh, challenges are, are a real thing. And, and you talked about the experience of it, Albert, too. So I, I was going to engage um, Daniel a little bit. Can you explain to us the concept of how uh, being a crowdsourced tequila, what, what does that even mean? Like if I'm a consumer and I just look for a tequila and I see the world's first crowdsourced tequila and I'm like, Wait, what what is that? Can you tell us about the tequila de la gente kit or tasting kit and how it works?
2: Man, uh, you think like after all these times we've been on these calls, like we still miss with the mute button.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do. It's it's a thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is timely. I wasn't expecting this, but uh, okay, so here's the kit. And you said, let me define crowdsource first. Okay. It's different from crowdfunding. We're not asking for everyone's money. Although that might be an interesting thing for us to think about, but what we're doing right now is asking for people's votes. Right? So we went to launch our tequila and it was like, we had so much fun during the testing phase. Albert mentioned that I use spreadsheets a lot. Well, we had a spreadsheet like logging and rating all of our own tequilas that we got from the distillery. And we're like, man, this is a lot of fun. Because we were like, well, we can't do this. We can't drink all these by ourselves. We need to like involve friends. And like we need to ask friends to come help us. And so liar, the
0: spread- liar. I think y'all <laughs> could have drank all of them by yourself. I, well, correction, correction.
2: <laughs> you know, we could have, we could have. But it wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't be as much fun. Uh, I And so we we asked our friends and, and the spreadsheet got bigger. And we had to get like smarter about our technology that we were using. So. We was like, okay, let, let's, let's package this experience we're having with our friends because like this is what we want people to experience. Let's open the doors to the voting concept that only founders and, and industry insiders experience. This is what we want. And so that's the genesis of the kit. We narrowed it down to four of our, our final four tasting or uh, expressions And so the idea is for people to get this and vote. We tell a little bit about our story because we realized um, that in our story or that we realized that that people were gifting our boxes and, and giving it to friends and without, you know, hearing the story. And so we wanted a way to, like, introduce our story to them and what they're supposed to do. So it's kind of an invitation for them to do a blind tasting. It tells them what to do. They scan it. And then it takes them to our, our new updated spreadsheet. It's not a spreadsheet anymore. It's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty savvy, uh, website that'll guide you through a tasting. And that was the idea. It was like, okay, now that we have people doing the tasting, let's, let's build in, you know, the education, let's build in the culture. Let's show them what a tasting was like. Let's show them everything we learned while we were, you know, getting schooled by the master and, and, and it was really cool that all this, like, anyway, you can tell I'm passionate about it. I'll, I'll stop
0: talking. <laughs> no, man, we love passion. Um, and, and I think the cool thing, again, and I continue saying this, is the involvement of having people be part of it. So for yeah. clarity, it is not that y'all are going around asking for crowdsourced funding, even though that could be in the plate in some other time. This first phase is all about asking people to get involved in a fun type of experience and really get their opinion about which of the four um, different añejos they like the best. And not just by sipping it, but having people around you that you care about, love, listen to music, eat some tacos, my food of preference, of course, but you could eat whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, chakuri boards, I can't even spell it, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but the thing is, you know, it's an experience. And and, and the cool yeah. thing about this is that all of this started blossoming from each one of you guys during a world pandemic. Yeah. So there's some connectivity in terms of our desire to be with one another and have experiences from that ex- from that experience that we all went through, and so another thing that I really really enjoyed—can you tell I'm a fan because I already did the whole thing and I really I really loved it. I actually gifted as well uh, one of the one of our um, the kits to to a good friend of mine. So um, I'm I'm gonna share kind of like tell people to visit gente.com because there's so much more context, obviously, about y'all's story about the process of the experience. Um, you could order the kid and also about future plans that y'all have with the brand, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I think that's with- one
2: thing that, that, one of our challenges
0: in marketing that came,
2: came apparent to us as we launched, was it not everybody knew that you could even ship or have tequila delivered to your door. And so we realized that there's a lot of challenges that launching, st- strictly e-commerce and a spirits industry brings that we didn't really anticipate it was natural to some of us who like like uh, during during covid we ordered everything online but it's still a challenge that we have to educate and so yeah some of our content is like did you know that you can ship tequila and mm-hmm. and to these states and so it's been a lot of learnings but um it's been a lot of fun and And you're right. It started with just uh, an idea of bringing people together.
0: That's true. Yeah. No, I I personally recall those conversations and loved every minute of it. So, um, and I love to see what how y'all've grown and and made it a reality, you know. Um, And and that's really really cool because this is this is something that I really want to highlight is the resilience of our people and how Um, sometimes these ideas that are sparked from cultural nuances can really lead us into these amazing journeys, you know, because it went from conversation to really like bootstrapping, you know, like y'all, and I know we've had conversations on the side about the real challenges and among uh, many other things of y'all's learnings. Um, So I kind of wanted to ask Albert a little bit of there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the world right now, um, and a lot of people that come from backgrounds just like ours. Maybe we don't have all of the funding accessible to us, but we have the las ganas uh, and the ability to start something. So, if there's like, if if there's an entrepreneur listening to this right now, um, what pieces of advice? You know, and I don't want to say two pieces of advice, three pieces of advice, whatever, how many ever of pieces of advice you want to leave. What would you tell that entrepreneur that is really launching and starting something from the ground up? What what would be your message to them?
1: My favorite word in business is pivot. Most people that know me really well know that. Realistically, what happens if you're going to start a business from scratch and continue a business from wherever, if it was handed to you or whatever the case is, things aren't going to go smoothly. You're going to have to be creative and just keep pushing, just keep going. And, you know, I have a great example in my dad who came to the U.S. to, you know, change his life, to have a better opportunity. He's, long time been a citizen uh, of the States. He, you know, worked really, really hard. If he started as a 14 year old kid with literally nothing and he is where he is now, what excuse do I have? You know, we, we were born with enough, not excess. We don't come from a background of, you know, dad's money and dad's dad's money and multiple generations of that kind of thing. Most Latinos are building, you know, we're building on the the few uh, little bricks that were left behind if any, uh, you know, from our our parents, uh, from other generations. I think once you start getting into third, fourth, fifth generation now, hey, you know, you you take a house or you take this or that, college is paid for. you know, I worked hard to get my uh, college paid for 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 two years through scholarship, and I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, when I was in the third grade, I was told, you know, about mechanical engineers. I decided that's what I was going to be. I committed, and I and I delivered, and I think that's the thing. You know, during COVID, I have a trucking business in Midland, and almost every one of my neighbors in in this loop that we work in, which is about a half mile long almost everybody either went out of business or moved out. One neighbor remained solid and we kept trucking. You know, you, you build relationships and you work hard and you persevere and you wake up early and you do it again. And I'm very proud to be that way, because it was ingrained in me uh, as a child. It's the same thing that I try to push on my kids. So, you know, As an entrepreneur, I think you just have to be creative and keep going. Even if it's small steps, you're moving forward. You don't stop. You don't pull back unless you started an awful business (laughs) and then don't keep spending. But, you know, we know that tequila is a huge growing market. We know what the potential is. We just want to put this story in people's ears, in their hearts, so they understand who we are, what we're about. We're about about involving you, la gente, come in, and try it, vote. Tell us which one you want. You've never been able to do this. So you know, we, we love the idea. We've had a ton of feedback from people and it's always positive. I've There's a big kick right now. let me just throw this in. Big kick right now for additive free tequila. And, and that's a curveball. One of our bottles is additive free. People are taking this way too far and they don't truly understand the concept. It's getting blown out of proportion, but we included one Buy the kit, taste it, see if you can even figure it out. It's more talk than anything, but you know, we believe in the product it's been highly awarded and we're excited
0: about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, Getting to where y'all are so far has been challenging. And to your point, um, that's not going to go away. But it is the embedded and ingrained resilience and the human aspects of our upbringing and the lessons left behind, whether that's by our parents, our grandparents, and the generations before us that genuinely do. This isn't some talk and BS because some people... that don't understand what that means or feels because of maybe they are lucky or have the privilege to be born into other aspects of that don't understand it, but others do. And this isn't something that we throw around, right? It's real Mm -hmm. to us. And so for any entrepreneur that is going through this journey, I think Albert, you just, you know, hit a home run with what you know is true. Uh, And that's just to, be creative, pivot, and yeah. continue moving forward with resiliency. So thank you for, for that. I know you've always been all about that and that's why we keep close. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, as we end, you know, our podcast, I did want to give a since, since you're on Albert, like where can people reach you? Um, uh, are you on you? I know you are on LinkedIn, of course, but um. Tell us a little bit more about where people can reach you.
1: So yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Tequila de la Gente comes directly to us. Uh, that's a great way to get a hold of us. Um, very, very active on LinkedIn, especially for my trucking business, somewhat for tequila. Uh, we're trying to grow that following um, just like we are on Facebook. And I, I think uh, TikTok has some stuff on it now, too. That's Daniel's thing. Uh I'm an absolute rookie when it comes to, this. <laughs> I, I'm a numbers guy. I, I nerd out on numbers. It's, it's what moves me, but uh, yeah, you know, if anybody has any questions or they're curious about something or they just want to chat, please reach out.
0: Awesome. Cool. Daniel, how about uh, you? Where can people reach you at? And if Albert missed anything, uh, let me know so we can let folks know. Well, I think
2: you can definitely find our tasting kit on tequila de la gente.com and uh, we can ship straight to your door. Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the best place to go. And that's uh, Daniel R. Vasquez. Um, and and in the, like, Jorge, like Albert said, uh, tequila de la gente, we'll, we'll find the message. If you could mention that you watched this show, that'd be awesome. Yeah. We've got something yeah. for y'all.
0: Oh, yeah. That's true. Thank you for the setup, uh, Daniel. So, well, first of all, thank you both for sharing, um, your background, your human side, your professional side and your business savviness. Um, that's what this podcast series is all about is shining light on the Latino experience. Um, as entrepreneurs, uh, small business owners, and nonprofit organizations as well, which we'll have more of that um, on this series. And I'm excited to bring more folks and guests. But um, I did want to share that you guys have been so kind and courteous to uh, slash off the cost associated with shipping if you can if, y- if y'all want to try the kit out, which I highly suggest you do because it's fun and it's a great experience, use code El Brightside at checkout when you visit them on um, uh, tequila de la gente.com and you'll get free shipping. And that's pretty cool. So thank you guys for that. That's awesome. And then um, make sure, again, the code is El Brightside and it's there on the ticker if y'all want to screen grab and free shipping for you guys. When, um, you see this episode, follow them on, um, Instagram. They have a lot of cool, uh, content. I've seen some really refreshing looking cocktails that have been made and I'm like, Oh snap, you know, Daniel showing up and doing his thing. <laughs> so it's tequila, but it, it encompasses all the wonderful things that tequila uh, brings to the table. So, um, Thank you guys uh, again, and um, I appreciate y'all's time.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Was good enough.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, awesome. Muchas gracias.
1: A ti.